A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're talking with Damien Hall and Hannah Rickman about the spine race, the maddest race going, I reckon. Just watching it unfold via social media and the likes was just ridiculous after a while. Like I was just, it, on paper, it's, it is an extremely challenging event and then it just kind of like unfolds in this sort of wintry sort of mayhem yeah. that just and you're suddenly just like oh wow this is this is next level but yeah it was great to talk to them both and sort of get a actually really nice to have sort of hannah first time and sort of not sponsored in the mix kind of just performing yeah. and then damien returning to sort of like unfinished business from last year and and to win it and all this sort of stuff so um yeah a good a, a two two very differing opinions on some stuff and also two very similar experiences so it was it was nice yeah, agreed. Yeah, everything's against you on the spine, isn't it? The weather's against you. You can't. Yeah, there aren't. You know, you can kind of sleep where you want. Damien talks about that. This sort of like napping on the trail. Yeah, you kind of think. Yeah, it's um, and obviously it's what two hundred sixty-eight miles. So it's a it's a massively long way. And, and the picture of people like picture people at the end. I think the spine ages people like like a sort of <laughs> rucksack ages a banana. Do you know what I mean? You just like, it doesn't look like you've just completed about. Like you've been to war. You've basically been to war for a week. Yeah, it does. You, 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 yeah, you're coming out looking a bit a bit worse for wear at the end of it. But um, they both looked great when we spoke to them. So it's obviously only a short term. They've recovered, well. haven't they? They have recovered. Yeah, it's so different, mate. To, it's so different to even to like a 24 hour race where like you can at least tell yourself like this is this is over in a day. You know, like bring your best self to something for a day. Like how hard is that to get your head around? Whereas it's like. This could be six or seven days out here. Like, I just think it takes such a mental fortitude to actually get through it. It's the un- it's the great unknown. The sort of, and Hannah was saying this: you sort of, you can prepare with the miles and you can do all the bits and pieces that you do, but then the how your how your brain's going to behave when it's sleep deprived and 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 yeah, what you're yeah. going to think and see and do. There's no sense of there seems like a quite a large sense of un, of like everything being slightly out of control, and I think that that's that's probably mm. where you get the people who like that's when it becomes that's the crunch point. Basically, people can cope with that and yeah. be like, yeah. "Well, this is all a bit sideways and a bit strange," um, but it's fine. I know what I'm doing. Whereas you know the breakdown comes quite quickly when you've when you're in the midst of that and your yeah. brain's telling you to. Just go over there and hug that tree for twenty minutes, because you know you need to be closer to nature or something. You know, like really like trippy kind of whatever it is. You know, so can can you imagine how good you feel though? Can you imagine like if if you if you made it, like what 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 couldn't you do after doing the spine? Like you could, like you know when you, like, life got hard, you could look back and go like, I can probably handle this though because I did the spine. Yeah, that's true. Do you yeah, know what I, mean? I mean, if that's your benchmark, I think probably just reassess the small stuff first. <laughs> <laughs> if, if everything's getting on top of you so much you have to go and spend seven days somewhere to just re- to reframe life bench go and toughen yeah, up benchmarks. and do the spine yeah no i think it's uh it's definitely um it's sort of one of those ones that's slightly even beyond a bucket list 
it's not on my i have no yeah it's, it's not glamorous enough is it it's so unglamorous <laughs> yeah that's true yeah yeah it's it's i don't know you sort of think that i guess it's because you can there's just a very obvious sense of whether or not you'd be able to do it whereas i think most people when we had when we had gavin on and he was talking about planning adventures and you always have to have a uh a slightly ambitious target but it's obviously not ambition beyond measure whereas the spine race i think is that like it's just like yeah you've got you've got to back yourself haven't you to have a chance of doing it for sure but it's a real challenge in the same way that like you know the finishing rates at most races are probably in the 90s aren't they which isn't that's i'm not like casting shade on those races but in some ways like you're very very likely to finish most running races that you take by do you mean like ultras my ultras might be a little bit a little bit lower but yeah like um but yeah even even ultras say like the ultra that the centurion ultra i did is probably like a 70 percent finishing rate which is like quite kind of low in some ways but also most chances are you're going to finish the race yeah i think you get on the start line in the spine chances are you're probably not going to finish a race i would say um Certainly something like the Barclays, like you've got a very slim chance of finishing the race. I think that the, the Barclays is always designed to be unfinishable. That's my sort of like, mm. that's the sort of, yes. that's my hot take. Um, and if, you know, those who get close or do, then that's like an absolute anomaly. Whereas obviously the, the spine is, is designed to be finished. It's just a combination of many different things are lining up and going well. And is, yeah. I think that what's it's like 30%. Is it something like that? I don't know what the finish. It might even be higher than that, Ben. But okay. yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, but it, I mean, the reason it's not super low is because you have to be, you have to demonstrate quite a lot of experience to get a place. Yeah. So, you, so like you and I couldn't rock up and be like, mm, hey, done, a, done one fifty, done a fifty miler. Like guys, I don't know. See you at the spine. I've done. I've done a podcast <laughs> for a bit now, so let us do this race. Yeah. 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 yeah so they, they they vet it because I think for, for for safety reasons more than anything it's like yeah, they can't have sure. any old any old clown on the Pennine Way mm. in January. Very smart, very smart of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, great to talk to them. So um, let's just let's just get them on. Let's do it. Guest of the week, here in the studio. Guest of the week, sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete the Spine Race is a 268 non-stop ultramarathon taken in the entirety of the Pennine Way. The winter edition takes place in January, meaning competitors must battle snow, wind and sub-zero temperatures as they make their way from Edale, Derbyshire to Kirkley Old Home in Scotland. Uh, it's become known as Britain's most brutal race. Um, our guests this week are male winner Damien Hall and second place female Hannah Rickman. So welcome Damien and Hannah to the Runners World podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Let's start with you, Hannah, because Damien, he's, he's a superstar, isn't he? Everyone knows Damien. He's got books out. He's been on this podcast multiple times. It's our fault. <laughs> we keep inviting him back. Uh, but your running achievements have probably to this, have flown a little bit under the radar, I'd say, to date. So could you tell us about your running history, like who you are and kind of, uh, yeah, some of the things you did before the spine? Yeah, so I guess I got into ultra running um, maybe three or four years ago now and I've just kind of done the the usual thing where you run a 50k and that's quite fun and so you try a 50 miler and that was still good and kind of escalated up through the distances and yeah unfortunately it's sort of a slippery slope that seems to have ended up with the spine race um, so <laughs> Hell I, of a slope. The, I know <laughs> so I did the spine challenge in north last year last winter and had an amazing time doing that and then yeah decided I want to come back and try the whole thing uh, this winter 
were you always running and then the distances just increased or did you just discover running and suddenly it just it went from actually I like running very far very quickly sort of like as in you started running quite far quite quickly um I guess I'd always done I'd never really like I didn't run at school or I'd done a lot of team sports through school and university so I'd always done running kind of as fitness and something I enjoyed doing but it was never never like the focus never the main event um and yeah I think I think my enjoyment for running increased a lot when I realized that it was okay to go slower and further and that Mm. you could instead of having to you know be nailing a a 5k every single time you could be going out and uh, spending your day outside or having long slow runs with friends and snacks and that that was definitely yeah kind of more my more my cup of tea amazing right Damien one one for you then um what is it about the spine you've done so many races but what is it about the spine that makes it such an epic race and and why do you, someone like yourself kind of keep coming back to it? Yeah, I think it's a few things. Um, firstly, it's kind of the madness of it, you know, the the, the insanity of, of the idea. And I do still remember first spotting it in a magazine before it actually happened. There was almost like a like a little news story in a running magazine. It may have been Runners World, just sort of saying um, there's going to be this crazy race on the Penangway in winter. And, and I just recently, I, I was new to running, but I'd recently hiked it. And it'd taken me about 16 days and it was exhausting. I think I'd like my knee had buckled under me like and this was in the summer. And, and I just remember thinking that's insane. That can't work. And so I followed it avidly for a couple of years and, and a few people were getting to the end. Not not even half of them, but, you know, a few were. Um, so it's the kind of insanity of the concept. You know, what, what, what sort of crazy idea. And then when you go and do it, um, I guess there's that that huge sense of achievement when when you get it done. Um, which is just sort of almost life-changing. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but also there's this incredible sense of community around the race, which is partly in the volunteers and the staff um, who are just super helpful um, and encouraging and lovely. Um, also the other runners as well. I mean, you make great friends. You make friends for life. I mean, I've been to two weddings of people I've met at the Spine. Um, and actually the guide father of my son is someone I met at the Spine. Um, but also even, even kind of strangers um turn up in the middle of nowhere with with i don't know cups of tea or a bit of haribo or or just ring a cowbell and it could be the darkest most miserable weather in the most miserable place and that people are just there to sort of cheer you on and it's just it's it's hard to explain but it's it's wonderful (laughs) i think that the community bit of it is very interesting especially um i i I am I'm sure you were utterly unawares because you were busy, but the dot watching Twitter side of life was was really kicking off, especially towards the end and the sort of also on the imagery on Instagram and the sort of like frozen faces that were arriving at different checkpoints and stuff like that. It was really had a, it was really, I mean, a lot of people were following the race that way and really engaging with it and sort of seeing how everyone was doing and all that sort of stuff. I mean, Firstly, how aware of you that, that how aware are you that that's happening? And do you just sort of switch your phone on at the end and you're just like, oh my god, this is too many notifications? Maybe you first, Hannah, because this was your yeah your first one. Yeah, I was phone off pretty much the whole way around. Um, but I was definitely I knew I had lots of friends following. I've you know dot watched the race before. I know what a cool experience it is to be kind of watching people moving and how yeah how kind of compelling that can be and what a cool experience it is to be on that side. So I was definitely aware that that people were going to be watching me. That I had lots of support coming from different places. Um, 
but then I had yeah then I had a nice bit at the end where I turned my phone on and had you know 800 notifications from all my buddies which was yeah which is an amazing moment yeah it's really cool and especially when you well I suppose yeah the classic get to the end and turn your phone on and, and everything's pinging away it, it, it is it is it is a pretty cool moment and when it is a moment when social media and, and these these sort of bits of technology that can can you know be a bit um what's the word have, have negative impacts on our lives that is one of those moments where it's it's really cool actually um i must i must confess some uh, uh what's the word um i forgot i've forgotten the word i'm still tired <laughs> um but I, i've worked uh so i've done the race four times although only got to the finish three times um but two years i've actually worked on the race in the media team um and and i've got to tell you it's so exciting um because you're you know the idea of getting the, the you know i suppose that picture of the of the current leader you know yeah caked in snow or or um or or just having a you know wild eyes or you know trying to get to them and get that picture and then somehow get back to civilization and post the picture um that was really exciting actually and i loved doing that um for i think not 2017 and 2018 i think i did um although it was often by the time <laughs> it would be so complicated to sort of reach them and then get back to somewhere with wi-fi that often by the time you posted it they were out of the race or <laughs> they, you know um or or, the, or you know or, or um something else had happened far more dramatic that it didn't matter anymore um but yeah they do you know they they invest in the the media side and that they have these daily videos and they have quite a big team of, of you know really professional people who work hard and are talented um and it is I suppose it's good and bad, isn't it? With, with sort of worried relatives watching at home, they can almost see too much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah, true. That was because I, I think with, when you and when you and Jack were sort of trading places at the end, and the sort of like you'd had a sleep and he hadn't, and everyone was speculating, and then there was the time penalty, and there was all this sort of chat around whether or not the tracker was updating with the time penalty, or if they met. Was who was in the and it was just it was it was actually hilarious but brilliant. Like at the same time, there was just so much sort of wild speculation, and then you know just and because the, there's that disconnect, you're watching a dot and you're seeing things drip feed in whenever you can. And I kind of that's what I kind of like the most about it. It kind of it's not actually constant. There's kind of like an untold behind the whole thing. Well, there's a fascinating debate to be had, isn't there? I don't know if you follow, say, UTMB's coverage um but they they really you know they have people on drone not people on drones but drone cameras they have people <laughs> on bikes yeah. following it so you really you don't see everything but you see far more than you do in another sort of trail ultra marathon um and there's an argument to almost say you know has it gone too far that you see too much and some maybe something like the spine or I'll certainly say the barkley marathons where that, you know, there's almost no information coming out um yeah and that, it fills your head full of ideas doesn't it and, and um and the funny thing was, like, um, maybe you want to get, get onto this in a bit. I don't know, but but the the final section with me and Jack running in the Chevy, it's sort of dueling for first place. Um, we were we were racing each other for an hour or two, um, but then after a while, we just we just ran together quite quite casually, quite chatty for maybe like eight hours or something. But it, on the tracker, I'm pretty certain it would have looked like we were dueling neck and neck and neck and chasing and chasing. And we were just kind of chilling, if I'm honest. <laughs> Can we talk about um, like the training for this? I'm really interested in you, in, yeah, you Hannah, in this way, because you live in Malawi, right? Like close to the equator. Probably couldn't get any further away from like <laughs> the conditions you're going to experience on the Pennine Way in January. And yet you've done so well. So can you, I mean, tell us a little bit, like, what's it like running in Malawi? And how on earth did you try to sort of... Um, replicate what you were going to be running in in the uk 
Yeah, it's a bit different. So there's definitely like bits you can't replicate. There's no bog. There's no snow. Um, there are a lot of hills um, and there's a lot of fun mountains. Um, so it's actually, I mean, it's a really beautiful country and lots of great places to explore. Um, and I've got a nice group of friends there. So we did a lot of long weekends out kind of hiking and running in the mountains. And, um, you know, I guess there's less organized races and events, but there's more opportunities to, you know, find an adventure and choose a route that you want to try and do or a place that you want to explore um so yeah so I've sort of parked the bog and the snow and just uh, got down to doing lots of running um and then yeah I came back to the UK for Christmas um and managed to um I dragged my mum and my sister on a recce of a bit of the course and managed to convince them that we'd have a nice like family family bonding experience and we had horizontal rain over fountains fell and kind of biblically horrible stuff and they ditched me and went to the pub while I did pen again but it was yeah it was a nice yeah a nice opportunity to get a bit of time on the course in as well yeah that's great that. that yeah I guess you probably need to do a little bit of time in the bog don't you otherwise it's going to be like it's it's going to be too much of a shocker I think from like I mean, because presumably temperature in Malawi is very, it's very warm, right? Yeah, it was, it was 35 degrees when I left the country and it was minus five when I landed in Heathrow. So that was, wow. a, that was a bit of a wow. shocker. I mean, wow. uh, <laughs> That's acclimatization in an instant, isn't it? That there was pretty go. dramatic, yeah. yeah. Damien, when you're returning to something like this and you've obviously, you've prepped for it before, how did you come around? Was it any different this time? Or did you just stick to like what you knew would work in terms of, energy needed and endurance and stuff or did you mix it up quite a lot this time mostly i was doing what i'd done so the, so the pre the previous year i i was doing very well in the race but i got i had a, a groin a groin injury um i was winning the race um just after halfway and yeah got a groin injury so so the main thing was i didn't want that to happen again so so i was doing sort of extra strength work um around those around those delicate key areas um <laughs> And extra, I'd say extra strength work in general in that, yeah, they make you carry a lot of kit. Um, and, and even the lightest packs are going to be sort of probably five kilograms, um, which is, you know, fine for a few hours, but we're running for days. It, it, it's quite a lot. So, um, and it's not unheard of. Yeah, we've seen some very good runners sort of cross the finish line with, with sort of muscular back problems, you know, from, from partly from the kit. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of concentrating on on... Uh, sort of trunk and uh, so even some upper body strength um and and yeah groin groin strength i suppose other than that yes it was famously strong groins yes <laughs> i need need my strong groin um because it was my groin was inadequate before not not for the first time in my life either um <laughs> but yes um other than that I, I actually think a lot of spine sort of um people training for the spine get it a little bit wrong in that um they do lots lots of long runs with the big heavy pack on um mm. now there is some value to that but if you do that lots and lots you'll just sort of become a slow good at being a slow runner um and really i i had several clients um in the race as well and, and really I'd, I'd encourage people to you know get as fit as possible get as fast as possible before you sort of stick the pack on and slow yourself down and, and actually i didn't do that many runs with it with a pack on and, and certainly not that many at all with with sort of full weight pack um obviously you need to do it sometimes to otherwise it's a bit of a shock but yeah i think people can overdo that aspect of it um almost like over i'm quite surprised to hear that well i think um you can almost do too much specific specific work if you know what okay. i mean yeah, and yeah in a way yeah. in a way in a way uh hannah's sort of proved it that she you know didn't actually run on the course all that much uh ran on quite different terrain and was still was still very very good um actually hannah did you, how much running with a pack did you do before the race 
Um, not a ton. Um, yeah, lots of I guess lots of running and then building in the pack a bit towards the end. Lots of hiking with the pack and lots of time just sort of in the hills carrying stuff around. Um, yeah, a reasonable amount. I had a few days kind of going around the city I live in in Malawi in 35 degree heat carrying a down sleeping bag and a spork and a poo shovel and <laughs> all of that with me <laughs> but it felt a bit, it felt a bit ridiculous I felt I couldn't do it too much can, can we talk about the the role that sleep plays because it seems to be a huge thing when it comes to spinal lack of sleep is probably more the accurate term uh how did you two manage that Damien I heard you you slept possibly less than three hours is that similar for you Hannah as well you didn't you, you really have to minimize what you can sleep I had a horrible time with sleep and I don't understand how these guys do it on so little. I was really, yeah, I was uh, struggling. So I think I probably got um, maybe six or seven hours of, of proper sleep and then naps here and there. And I was a mess. <laughs> I, was, I had several really sloppy nights of hallucinating, of wandering around in circles, of, of feeling pretty rubbish. So yeah, I, f- I found the sleep side of things really hard. I, f- I felt like that was the thing that was slowing me down the most was not getting that right and feeling like I still had more in my legs but I was heading in the wrong direction how do you even like do you have to do you go for a hike through the night beforehand is this sort of something that you build into the whole thing or is it just you know that that's just going to be just whatever it turns out to be and I think the other thing I hadn't quite anticipated is also because I yeah so last year on the Challenger North I'd had you know a couple of nights out a few hallucinations but I think I'd forgotten just how rubbish it is being sleep deprived. I just felt, you know, just how it's sort of like being drunk but without any of the fun stuff. You know, you're just sort of really useless and depleted and everything felt hard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear from Damien about how he handles it because it really felt like something that was a big struggle for me. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Well, <clears throat> yeah, definitely, I would say most of us can, especially if we have once before, most of us can run through one night without too many issues. Um, and But it's the second night is nearly always the, the problem start um i i found number one thing is is make sure you're eating enough uh it, it's really it sounds really obvious but like when you get to that stage when you've been running for 30 40 hours nearly always you're not you're not eating enough so as soon as you feel start to feel tired or sleepy at least eat something drink something in case in case that's simply become a bit depleted you know at least do that um and quite often that you're okay for another hour or two then um i would say then you know caffeine that affects people differently but it can be quite useful but you've got to be quite careful with sort of you know you it's like a sugar spike isn't it you sort of get a caffeine spike and of course you're going to tumble off the back of it um a little bit later so you've got to try and get it going in consistently um but yeah once you get to maybe night three or four um yeah i mean power naps uh, are really effective um if the conditions are okay um i didn't do one on the trail this year but Lying, just lying down for 10, 15, 20 minutes, you know, if you're not too cold or if it's not raining, um, I've done other other races and stuff where that's really, you know, perks you up for several hours, actually. It's pretty amazing. So that's just on the um, trail, Damien. You're just going to, like, lying down in the snow, get a sleeping bag on, five minutes. Don't even good. do the sleeping bag. Wow. Just, right. just, yeah, set an alarm on your watch. But that's the thing. You got you do have to find a little spot maybe that's a bit sheltered or, um, yeah, if you lie on snow, yeah, you might get a bit wet and stuff, so you might wake, wake up sooner. Um, but if you can find a little spot, um, whatever the shelter is 
Um, and yeah, in previous races, I've done that. And um, that can be useful, you know, to an extent. But yeah, every some nights you're going to have to have a proper lie down. Um, and so, yeah, and I didn't get it perfectly. I could have maybe done things better. Uh, but yeah, the, on the third night, I did have a full sort of two hours or so. Um, and I was much, <laughs> who knew? I was much quicker after that and much better. But um, <laughs> it's so hard when you're doing well in the race to sort of think, you know, I'm giving up. Can I give up two hours, you know, almost donate it to my opponents to to have some sleep, which, of course, makes rational sense to people watching or something. But when you're in that situation, like I've got two hours lead on that guy, do I give up two hours to sleep and then I'm level? And then what if, you know, so it's hard to do it. And I, it's something I could probably improve on. But I would say, yeah, eat, drink, caffeine, try the try the power nap. And then sometimes, yeah, a longer nap. Um, yeah. You're talking about being rational. At what point do you actually notice that you're being utterly irrational? Because it's got to be like sleep, sleep deprivation, and everything that kind of you could be there going, "Well, the logical thing to do is this," but also, I have no idea what that means anymore. <laughs> it does get a bit like that. I mean, I had a really good sign this year that happened to me, which was there was a simultaneous race called the North, the North Challenger, I think it's called the Challenger North which covers the top half of the route. And there were some runners, we were toing and froing a bit with some runners doing that. Uh, and I was basically running in these woods and I thought I was running pretty well. I thought, oh, considering what stage we're at and how tired I am, I'm running, I'm running pretty well here. And this guy just hiked past me. Uh, <laughs> and he was, he was someone I knew a little bit. So he kind of said, dude, like if I'm hiking past you, maybe you need a rest or something along those lines, you know? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Because <laughs> I, I thought I was running well. I was like, yeah, chariots of fire um but no i was you know running 18 minute miles or something um yeah so that was helpful i mean that was helpful and i suppose if you're starting to get lost if you start um if you're making bad decisions um but it's hard it's it's and it's part of the yeah hallucinations are another good sign um or bad sign uh, um yeah it's all it's all but it's all part of the drama and the excitement of trying to suss that stuff stuff out you know well i, I love the hallucination part and i think hannah you, you, this is an exact quote but you said when you touched the wall at the famous hostel at the end and you said uh i'm really glad that you guys are actually real because i've seen so many people today that aren't real <laughs> can we talk a little yeah. bit about the nature of those hallucinations what they were like for you how how believable they were um and how you how you dealt with them so i guess when i've had them before they've not been they're not believable and that you know that they're not real, but they're very convincing. So I had, so last year on the Challenger North, I had um, a whole load of little tigers driving miniature cars and wearing sunglasses that were driving around my ankles. And I stopped and had a really good look at them and properly like stared and focused. I was like, I know they're not real, but they're right. They're definitely there. Um, so I've yeah had some pretty kind of convincing ones before this year was all beds um so i was hallucinating beds in my peripheral vision like nice relaxing <laughs> four poster beds with pillows and sort of fluffy duvets they were all definitely there welcoming houses with their lights on and a log fire um and lots and lots of people and faces yeah wow it was pretty trippy <laughs> does it freak you out because they're like middle of the night in the dark somewhere suddenly and you're suddenly a face will pop up you know and you're completely on your own are you but are yeah. you is it it's, it's not They're like mostly, a... sort of, mostly quite friendly you know oh, right. if, as you say if you are on your own it's sometimes quite nice to have a, <laughs> a tiger or two <laughs> oh, a friend a little bit of company along the way yeah someone was saying that he was um he was like oh i i thought i was chatting to owen keith and it just turned out it was a hedge <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's, oh, uh, brilliant. yeah it's, it's, it's an amazing sort of like sort of subplot of these 
races, I think, is how how you manage to deal with that that element and what what kind of form it takes. Because some of them could be quite macabre, I think, some of these hallucinations. Like we've heard about people seeing skulls in like the water and stuff. I feel like I might be sort of quite freaked out by some of that if that happens. Anyway, there you go. Can we talk um kit? I know that there's always a great deliberation about what people are wearing and what they're doing and obviously there's stipulated things that you have to take with you and um spon- you obviously Damien you're an innovate athlete. Hannah, are you sponsored by Definitely no. not. <laughs> so this is this is a sort of great I guess a great talking point in the fact that Damien, you sort of work directly with your with Innovate to sort of produce and, and have the bits that you need and and Hannah, you're just there going by what you can get your hands on. So how do you how do you sort of work out what you need and what you don't need? I guess a lot of it's trial and error. Like a lot of it is stuff that I've used a lot in the past from from camping, from long sort of hiking trips and um yeah, a couple of things that um work or didn't work that I've then tried to get lighter versions of or smaller versions of. Um I think for me just also being really organized with it also knowing what I've got, where it is in my bag, what stuff I need to use when and um yeah, I guess like being really familiar with the kit that I've got and um um, and how to use it when I need it especially yeah especially if I'm using it when my brain's in a state and I need to just be able to get my hands on the right stuff is it, are you sort of like messaging like oh I'm gonna go and everyone's like you need to have some ridiculous Gore-Tex something and you'll just be like right, I've got to get my hands on on some sort of like excellent something from somewhere or do you just kind of do you just kind of know what you like and what works for you there's definitely kind of there's an overwhelming amount of information out there there's the like the spine facebook page has got a lot of people with a lot of very strong opinions <laughs> about different kinds of cortex and who really will like defend defend their point to the death um i think a lot of it is really individual and it is about kind of finding what works for you and yeah you know some stuff has been stuff that i've borrowed off friends that i've liked i've tried that it hasn't worked um just coming up with something that yeah that works for me and um yeah most of it did the job pretty well i'd say it was pretty pretty warm dry most of the time how many how many pairs of socks did you take uh probably six or seven um in the bag and then some waterproof socks as well a couple of pairs of waterproof socks socks would be what i would i've just that would be the thing for me <laughs> i just think if i was going to do one thing that would make myself a little bit happy <laughs> you both yeah, a couple of like socks every time 24 it's a, good hours moment. A, lot, a lot of miserable feet i would just be like dry socks would be the yeah, one that's a good a good moment in time what about you damien yeah i just really echo um what Hannah said there about that sort of individual element. So many people go, well, I did the spine and, and I wore this and this and this. So you need these things too. And, and often that's not the case at all, because I don't know, we, we, we're, phys- we're all physically different. We move at different places. Uh, we have different, different, you know, different things. For example, I mean, my hands get really cold really quickly. Um, other people are fine with their gloves on and I'm there with three pairs on, you know. So I know that about myself, which is really useful. But also I run quite hot. Like my upper body creates quite a lot of heat. I often on the spine can just have like a, a, a long sleeve base base layer, but like a summer base layer sort of thing and my and my full jacket. And that's enough a lot a lot of the time in the day if I'm moving well uh, until the hallucination stage. Um, but but for some other people, that won't be warm enough, you know. So so I mean, I do. Yeah, as I say, do, I do have some clients and I coach them for it. And I have to be a bit careful not to be too sort of prescriptive and say you should have this or this. But yeah, I would say the number one thing is try and find those shoes and those socks that combination that's going to work for you because if you get foot problems early on you're in for a pretty miserable time um and the rest of it is yeah stuff that suits you a, a pack is important but not probably not as critical i would say yeah shoes and socks and there's the whole dilemma of yeah do you go with waterproof socks but sometimes waterproof socks cause 
some problems. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be too warm for them and stuff like that. Um, so, it, but foot comfort, if you can, yeah, if you can have relatively comfortable feet, um, and I was I was pretty lucky there. Then then yeah, you're in for a much better time. In in terms of um, obviously you, you two are at the front of this race, but lots of people are coming in just inside the cutoffs. It's, it's in some ways an even more incredible experience, like experience because they've had to sort of battle uh, the fear of, of being timed out and it's, and it's taken longer. Do you think that um, I'm just trying to work out how quick you have to be to actually do this? Do you think a sort of determined hiker could actually finish a spine in within the time? Yeah, I do know. I do know someone, um, Alan Alan Rumbles. Actually, uh, what year was this? Uh, I think 2017 or 2018. He hiked the whole lot and got in, but he did he did deliberately practice and training. You know, I'm gonna, I don't know if he had an injury or not, but like he just he deliberately practiced fast hiking and training, and he did it. He hiked it all, didn't run a step. So it is achievable, and I try and remind people that beforehand. You know, if you look at the amount of time, and yeah, and and, and don't want to sleep very much, um, then then it is it is achievable. It is achievable. Um, so I think hopefully, hopefully the spine, you know, it is more accessible than it may sound because I know it sounds pretty bonkers to to, to a lot of people. But um, if you're willing to sort of tough the weather out and um, ignore a few uh, ignore a few hallucinations, um, you don't need to be super fast by any means to to, to do it. Did you think, Hannah? Because um, obviously Damien's done it like four times now. Was there any part of you that that wondered whether you could do it when you at the start line? Was did you were you or could you not entertain that idea of it being like, this is going to be too hard? I thought I could do it. I think I thought there's definitely, there's so many variables. Like there's so many things that could have gone wrong. There's so many, you know, injuries or slips or problems that you can get that can put you in difficulty. But I, I mean, I felt like I'd trained as much as I possibly could have done for it. I felt like I had a, a handle-ish on maybe what it was going to look like. I think maybe I was naive and underestimated it um but i think i felt at the start like i had a you know a chance of getting to the end and just needed to yeah get it done and see what happened i guess you kind of have to don't you yeah otherwise why are you stood at the start i guess is the kind of i, thing I think there. it'd be easy to find reasons to stop if you yeah, yeah, yeah. If you didn't think so, you were going to make yeah. it to the end then you could easily find a way to stop early on rick started rich started this by saying that it's britain's considered perhaps britain's toughest race is it? I, yeah. I'm gonna, I, it's, I mean, on a on a global scale, it's got to be up there in terms of you know difficulty. I mean, you mentioned the Barclay Marathons, and obviously that's a unique event in itself. But it's got to be the winter spine has got to be one of the the hardest ones out there. <laughs> Opinion? The Great British Barclay. I think that's what it is. It's the hardest thing I've ever done <laughs> by a mile. <laughs> what, what what would be the other contenders then? What the Dragons Back? Is the Dragons Back up there? It's interesting. I, I did I did the Dragons back and I did them in the same year. Um, and it, yeah, it's definitely a tough race. But because it's a multi-stage race where where you stop and can sleep all night, um, you really can get that recovery and, and refuel well. When it's single stage, just c- continuously going. Um, yeah, you just it is that sleep deprivation thing. You you just don't really recover. You just keep going. Um, but it was interesting that that year, some people completed the spine and then couldn't complete the Dragons back actually. But that's because in the Dragon's Back, you do have to move pretty quickly on some tough terrain. Uh, and it is more rocky, mountainous terrain, really, than the spine. So they're both they're both incredibly tough. They are actually quite different. But yeah, in terms of Britain's toughest races, um, there's those two. Um, I mean, you get some crazy you get some crazy ones. There's some 200-mile tunnel race, isn't there? Um, oh, God, that was on BBC. Like... <laughs> that's, just, that's just, yeah, that's, that's just that's, insane, that one. Yeah. That's in Bath, isn't it? <laughs> That's that's quite soon. Uh, um, Is that soon? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, there are some some sort of wacky ones, and then of course you're probably aware this this new concept that's really gaining popularity is this sort of last last man or last person standing yeah, concept, right. where yeah. you just keep going until there's only one person left. Um, I've signed you two up for uh, for one of those coming up. Oh great! Thanks, up. thanks so yeah, much. Is it the one the one in the tunnel? Is it the one? That, can we do one in the tunnel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's got to be up there, hasn't it? It's got it's got to be in the top of three. The spine, dragon's back, the spine, and then maybe one of those backyard things. Throw that in there. Well, it's a race across Scotland. That sounds quite hard as well. That's about two hundred and something miles, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think what makes the spine hard is partly, well, the weather. Although the weather this year was was pretty kind overall, but. Yeah, the sleep deprivation and and the darkness. I mean, it's just it's just dark most of the time. Uh, it's good fun. It's good fun. Yeah, it's good fun. Would you both Would you both go back? Um, oh, too soon. Um, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I need to have a think about it. I feel like you do it. I just feel like I learned so much from doing it once, and there's so many things that you do, and you think I'd do that differently next time. Um, and I do love it. You know, I love the Penang Way. I love the places. I love the people. I love the community. All the things Damien was talking about. It is just, um, it's something, it's pretty special. There's not a lot else like it. And yeah, there's nothing else going on in January anyway, is there? So um, yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Watch your space. But you, Damien, back for yeah. <laughs> a fifth time? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll definitely go back next January, but there's a reasonable chance. And if not, then probably the one after. I mean, there's not, there's just nothing else much to do at that time of year, is there? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 that's true. Dry January, that's about it. <laughs> Dry January, yeah. 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 Or vegan, veganuary, or a few park runs, or the spine. Or the spine. I mean... That's it. Oh well, we've all. Everyone's oh, sold it in there. Everyone's isn't diaries has changed for the next year. That's it. We're all, we're all, we're all in. Well, look, thank you both so much for uh, for your time coming on the Runners World podcast, talking about the spine. Ben and I are going to sign up for this tunnel race off the back of that. No, okay, um, but yeah, thank, thanks very much for your talk. Congratulations both on uh, on doing so well in the race, and probably see you both back there in January. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Huge thanks to our special guests, Hannah Rickman and Damien Hall, and to you, of course, for listening. You can once again subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just £5. Head to hurstmagazines.co.uk slash runnersworldpodcast to get this exclusive listener offer. Or just subscribe for the year. Just get all those magazines arriving. Why have three when you can have 12? I mean, come on. It's just maths, guys. Uh... Listen to the Runners World podcast on iTunes, Spotify, all of your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK if you haven't done that already and subscribe. Um, that's the main thing. Subscribe because then you don't have to listen to this end bit every time and just remind yourself to subscribe. You should just subscribe and then it works. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.